Okay, so usually our podcasts are done with Andrew sitting across from me. We're in my office. We have this nice blue Yeti mic in between us. We get the interviewer on, or we're the interviewer, but we get the guest on. We interview and we do our thing. This one's a little bit different. So we're interviewing Chad Landers, who happens to be, we'll call him the trainer of celebrities. He has his own place in LA. He trains high-end clients. He's well-known for training celebrities, and he's built his own facility. He's a pretty successful guy, does a lot of speaking arrangements, and that is where Andrew is going to meet Chad. They're doing a conference down in Calgary, and Chad is one of the, like we'll call him a headliner speaker, and Andrew is at a barbecue with him, and we might as well just do the thing right there. So Andrew, being a very tech-savvy guy, brought his nice little Apple laptop, which apparently doesn't have a USB. So just know that they're at a party, they're drinking, in between, they go for an eat break, so there's a little cut up, it's seamless for you guys, but they're on headphones. They're on headphones with no mic, and we just did the thing. So, like anything else we usually do, we're going to just do it up, fuck it, post it, hope you guys enjoy. If you like it, share it. If you're one of Chad's fans, go give us a review. We do appreciate those, and if you're, just fucking review it. Other than that, this was a really fun podcast. It was in a natural environment, and we kind of just got to shoot the shit for about an hour with Chad. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I will cue the intro. Shut up and sit down. I just heard the word keto in the background. So are we actually going to go with this? Like this is going to be on air? Sure. Why not? I don't know. I'll figure it out. We're we're here at hours (laughs) full of fitness professionals. Uh, We're in Calgary for this NSCA conference. Chad is speaking. Um, My buddy Jeff Aker's place we're at, and he's the event coordinator. So over there is James Fell sitting on the couch. Enjoy Victoria. And who else is here? Jeff Starling. Brian Brian Cron is hanging out here. He's just had him on the podcast. So. You know what? Let's just have some fun. And like, yeah, poor Guido sitting in Edmonton. We've got this. So I'm going to try to read this shit off my phone. Uh, (laughs) So if you guys, for our audience who doesn't know who Chad is yet, there's something wrong with you because he's amazing. But he owns uh, his own studio in just north of Hollywood, Push Private Fitness. And he's developed a reputation as a super great caring trainer, uh, a speaker who doesn't leave a dry eye in the room. I can attest to that personally. So it's actually really cool to have you on. So it's first great, time great to I've, be on. I've been on location talking to someone. Usually we pipe people in. So let's start here with this. Um, why is what you do important, both to you personally as an industry? What are the right reasons to work in fitness? And what happens when people end up here for the wrong reasons? Huh, we could talk for an hour probably just on that alone. Um, well, for me, I've been very lucky because I've been in the business now for – not as a personal trainer, but in the fitness industry for 30 years and as a trainer specifically for 25 years. So I've gotten to see a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I started out when step aerobics was big and then there was, you know, Tybo and then there was curves and then came CrossFit and all, all this stuff. So I've seen all the trends and everything. And fortunately, what I've seen recently is the trend um, seems to be going towards trainers that actually care about their clients. It's about time. That's yeah. All. And you know, it's, it's, it's for me for the longest time, especially like all through the nineties, uh, when I was in you know LA starting out, uh, 
you know, every trainer had some kind of a shtick and they didn't seem to really give two shits about their clients, you know, in all honesty. I mean, it was just churning money and, and I just, I didn't see what I was doing in, in very many other people. So eventually I was lucky and I was able to start my own place and develop that company culture. And that, that's been over 15 years now that I've had my own studio and have developed that. And, and I see now a lot more people like Mark Fisher in New York, um, Luca in Seattle. I mean, there's just a lot of people that seem to have both their heart and their heads in the right place about what we're doing. And what we're doing is we're basically, um, probably the biggest um, change agent that a person has um, in their life. If they don't have you know, their health and their fitness dialed in, usually the rest of their life is going bad as well, whether it's relationships, their work, what have you. So they use fitness as kind of the foundation for the rest of their life, for their happiness, if you will. And a lot of people, I mean, one of the things, um, we'll talk about my wife, I'm sure, at some point. My wife has... <laughs> Leave her out of it. My wife has two Academy Awards. She's won for, for sound, for the Bourne Ultimatum, and for Skyfall. And when I first got together with her, and I was just hanging out with a lot of very powerful Hollywood-type people, and I felt very insecure, being, I'm just a trainer kind of thing. But one of the things my wife told me is, like, you don't get it. She goes, you have the one thing that none of these people can just have, can just get. You know, they all want what you've got. And that's those answers to, to health and fitness. And once I started to realize that, it's like, yeah, you know, you're right. What I have actually has a value and everybody wants it, no matter if they're rich or poor or famous or not. Um, and that's a very, a very powerful thing. And if it's done right and done well, you can really impact people's lives for the positive. I mean, I've had some clients for you know, 23, 24 years now and been through a lot of things with them from, from cancer to um, – kidney donation, kidney transplants, I mean, all kinds of stuff, you know, with different clients. And so being that kind of rock for somebody and using health and fitness as a way to, to ground them and give them something in their life that they do have control over, I think is a very powerful thing because so many things you don't have control over. And that's especially true when I deal with actors and musicians that have to look a certain way. And so for them, you know, their careers oftentimes, even if they've had success in the past, it's a very much what have you done for me lately business. And so they always have to be on guard and be, be thinking and be stressed about how they look and um, what, you know, some paparazzi is going to snap them at the beach when they don't know it and not looking good and, and all that kind of thing. So it doesn't really, you know, matter. They, everybody's got the same pressures. A lot of times people think that actors, you know, they have it easy, they're rich, they're famous, they're whatever, but, you know, Neither you nor I have to really worry about being, you know, shirtless on a billboard or on in the, in the movie theater or whatever speak, and speak making for yourself, Chad. Speak for yourself. <laughs> we, we well, of course, I haven't been to Edmonton, so I should be careful. Guido's got a whole bunch of professional <laughs> shit done. If you actually look at his Instagram, there's a whole bunch yeah, of like I have, abs. I had abs yeah. once. <laughs> Assless chaps, right? Right. I'll Those let you, I'll let you a, shop around my pictures for the for the ad post in New York, and I'll get on a billboard. Really. <laughs> No, so anyway, you know, what it all boils down to is, is I think what we do has value, A, because if you don't have your health and, and your fitness, you know, life is going to be a lot more difficult for you and maybe a lot shorter. Who, who knows? So you really, um, if you have people who are good and, and caring trainers, you can really impact that lifestyle on somebody. And that can really be a big, 
um, positive thing, you know, for them all across the board. So that's why I think what we do is valuable. And I think that, you know, trainers, especially young trainers now who maybe see kind of Instagram fame and, and people that just have good bodies and they get lots of followers and they don't know what they're talking about or what they're doing. I think they have a it's kind of dangerous. So there was no internet when I started out or it was in infancy. Um, certainly wasn't Instagram or Facebook or anything. So I think the temptation is to go for something quick and flashy. And as long as they look good themselves, then people are going to follow them. Uh, and they don't really learn that it's not about them. It's about the client and what they're going through. And they're probably never, ever going to have six pack abs and that's okay. You know, they, they need you maybe for a, for a different reason. Something that you just said that really was relevant recently is uh, a good friend of mine, um, Kelly. I'll give her a shout out. She's in uh, Vancouver as a trainer. She's really super. She listens to this, so she'll be surprised. But she recently, I set her up with a referral from a trainer who was trying to find a home for a client of his in the Vancouver area. Unfortunately, this client met with her and then turned around and chose to go with a male trainer. So she was a little bit upset about that after going through the effort. But this guy, what really happened was this client chose someone who had been on The Bachelor. So, and I, and I don't, <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously, perhaps by coincidence, this trainer actually happened to be really, really qualified too. But, right. you know, to be as qualified as Kelly is, you know, I find that very hard to believe. But for whatever reason, this guy on the surface seemed to have chosen a, a a reality television famous person over a very qualified skilled trainer. Sure. So, you know, she was justifiably frustrated at that. And I certainly was very upset when I found this out. So, but we do see this kind of stuff. Even to me, once I had a guy who sat down with me, a guy I knew personally, and he talked to me and I, I felt like there was a little bit of an incongruency in terms of some philosophical stuff, but we knew each other and I, I could always roll with that. But then he sort of disappeared. And next thing you know, he's hired again, a guy who is Insta famous um, from some reality TV show. And it's like, right. I wasn't particularly offended because I figured, all right, well, you know, it's the best thing that we figured this out now. It didn't bother me, but, but this happens. And you know what we being angry and bitter about those people taking clients away from us, I think is a very foolish thing because it's sure. going to happen. But at the same time as an injury, hopefully we can just step our game up as best we can and we'll win more of those battles. I think than we lose, we'll still are going to lose some as we just described. But uh, yeah, they, that stuff is out there. And I think that's on the assumption that they don't know what they're doing. I think the main thing is that a lot of them seem to skip the steps that Chad was saying, which is that basically skin in the game for a little bit, like a little while, like learning that people aspect of it and the psychology behind it, the coaching, like they don't have to do that. Post some nice pictures on the internet and like hopefully you get lots of followers and you get some clients. Is my voice not working? There. You're you're good. We can hear you. Just I, something funny just popped you're up. You're looking, looking very handsome too. <laughs> well, you looked at him and then he looked at me and, and I was like, what? What, what popped up in your what? head with that? I almost Instagram wrote a stuff. question, it, but I almost wrote a question like somebody like, you know, who's got the looks of the industry cornered more is like Chad or Brad Dieter. And of course, <laughs> you got a couple of guys with names like Chad and Brad, right? So Not, bet, not Brad. Uh, Brad is far too pretty not to have his face out <laughs> in the industry more. If you know Brad Dieter at all. Yeah, Brad is very pretty. He's pretty. He did an episode with us. The guy's just like humble and like just super Nicest intelligent. In the world too. Yeah, but, but does Brad's wife have an Academy Award? Chad's does. does. Brad's does. I yeah, know, that, that, that was nurse the, something that she's like saves me. Like, we need we need someone with a name like <laughs> Thad or Tad or something like that. And it's just gonna round up the Hollywood sort of shit. Uh, <laughs> did you print off your questions or are you just like not ready? I'm ready. 
Well, better be. well we're going to touch on happiness because essentially that's like a lot of what we were just talking about, that idea of like mindset and happiness. So we'll just go down there because you, you like to talk about it a lot. So why is that central to your work and success? And like, what can people do better to improve their own happiness? Uh, well, for me, I actually, <clears throat> the change for me happened. I read a book called Delivering Happiness by Tony oh, Shea, so who, um, if you've ever ordered shoes from Zappos.com, he was the you know, founder and CEO of Zappos, eventually sold it for many billions to Amazon. So now it's Jeff Bezos' company. But um, anyway, that was, Delivering Happiness kind of was um, about company culture and developing that, and like you talked about, skin in the game with your with your workers and that type of thing. Um, but whether it's workers or, or clients and, and customer service, um, basically everything that we do in life, ultimately if you ask the question deeper and deeper, why do we do something, it's ultimately because we want to be happy. Whether it's, you know, I want to find a, a, a girlfriend, why do you want that? Well, I want to have a family someday. Well, why do you want that? You know, I want to leave a legacy. Why do you want that? Well, I want that makes me happy, you know, or why do I want to make money or whatever? If you boil it all down, we just, we want to be happy. And that's true across the board. And I think so many people are unhappy with, with how they look and how they feel. And, uh, when their health and fitness improves, it tends to make everything else in their life go better. And so it naturally lends itself to happiness. And like I said earlier, I do think that there's uh, an aspect to something in your life that's within your control because so much stuff is not in your control. Now, obviously that can be taken too far. We all know people who've gotten into fitness and then maybe took it to the deep end and developed disordered eating behaviors or, you know, became unbearable to live with and, and not a good human <laughs> being. Um, but, you know, for the most part, with, with the general population who doesn't even have that at all, once you start giving that to them, uh, it really opens doors uh, for them in, in other aspects of their life. So for me, it all boils down to happiness. Why do, why do we do anything? Why do we, we buy something at the store? What do we think it's going to give us that little bit extra happiness for whatever reason? What is it? A new T-shirt or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so if you can see this, if you're watching this, it's on my Instagram. So go to at Andrew Coates Fitness uh, on Instagram. You'll see Chad brought me a gift. So, of course, I get like kind of tagged as the wildling. You're going like to look like an idiot because we did that in the intro my... already. What's that? <laughs> I said you're going to look like an idiot because we did that in the intro already. But we'll it's going to be so funny. We're gonna right, double do it. Hey, <laughs> anyone watching, like, see what's in my hand? Yeah. Just gotcha. watch. That's his. That's <laughs> his tenth one. <laughs> well, Probably. whatever I say is true because everything before this wasn't on camera. It's ten. Okay. Okay, I got you. Um, what the hell was I gonna say? Shit, there was something about happiness and I completely forgot it. But that you uh, like your T-shirt so much and it made you happy, and that, exactly. that made this interview better. It wouldn't have been as good before that. Hell no, not <laughs> at all. Okay, Chad, keep going. Ask me a new question. <laughs> All right. Well, well okay. let's let's just go let's just go down the happiness though. So like what 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 about fitness makes the pursuit of happiness better than let's say going to buy a t-shirt? Like what's the benefit of fitness over all the other shit people do to make themselves feel happy? Well, I think one of the things is, you know, any anybody at any time, we can go and, and buy a t-shirt or what have you. Um Fitness, we're playing the long game here, and it's uh, a certain amount of holding yourself accountable and achieving goals and that kind of thing, which you just you can't get 
extrinsically. It's a very intrinsic pursuit and nobody else can do it for you. And so I think that that's why it lends itself so well to, to happiness um, for the individual because nobody can do it for you. Nobody can take it away from you. It's something you've, you've had to earn. And when you get those, those little, you know, PRs in the gym and stuff, it's, it's a, it's a big, powerful thing. And it doesn't have to, you know, be a 500 pound bench press or whatever, you know, for somebody, it can be the fact, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't even do a body weight squat before and now, you know, they can or, or whatever. Um, and so now they're having fun playing with their grandkids or, or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's more, um, in the beginning, probably the happiness is developed, you know, in the gym with those little victories. But I think that it very quickly kind of transitions to what they're able to do outside of the gym and, and how they're able to handle stress and, and all that kind of thing. Well, it's one of those so, things. Yeah, I, I was going to agree completely. Like, it's one of those things that is one of those easy wins if they do it the right way. That kind of bleeds over into like everything else, whether it's work, stress, sleep. Because now they want to sleep better because they want to do better in the gym. Now they want to eat better, and then all those things cascade to the point where now their minds opened up to all the new things that life has to offer. Where before they're stressed to the tits and all this stuff. Something that uh, I can't cite yeah. the exact reference to the research, but I know this is, has been researched, and, and I'll mention this to clients and other people in the industry. There, there is research on the type of thing that people will spend their money on. People who tend to lean more towards accumulating material possessions versus people who spend money on experience, and it kind of goes to the T-shirt versus the 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 training side of things. Because training very much is an experience. If any of our trainers listening. Can think about this you'll notice a lot of your clients tend to travel and that's not a coincidence because the type of people who will spend money on the experience of training and get themselves in shape are the same type of people who tend to value experiences versus material things what the research points to is the fact that the people who will spend money on experiences are happier people than people who accumulate spend money on material possessions I don't think it's a particularly surprising finding. Right. So it just it's something certainly for anyone who's listening to think about. But you know, more and more of recent is I have the resources to do so. I'm enjoying the opportunity to travel a lot more. I'm quite literally going to be in Mexico next week for a buddy of mine's bachelor party. I've never been there before. Jesus, don't get arrested that, or that, killed. <laughs> that, that's an experience. And I can tell you, last time I was on a bachelor party in Mexico, I ran through a glass window and I got 14 <laughs> stitches. So don't do that. Well, two of my best friends, their two-year-old had a bunch of stitches because little bugger was dancing. And he's like a two-year-old kid, and he fell into a brick wall or something and cut his face. So poor what? little dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. So freaked about, but their shirts covered it, so it's all good. My two-year-old was just ran through a brick wall. He didn't run through it. He was just dancing and like tripped in like his jagged edges, into like landing on his head. This little guy like falls on his head all the time. It's amazing that he doesn't have concussions that we don't know about but thankfully they don't listen to this so it's all good uh, so what yeah, else we got here their shit yeah <laughs> nah, they're fun. Uh, so one of the things that i was going to mention is like chad you own your own facility so uh most trainers who have been in this business for a while or sorry the ones who own facilities often their default advice is to be like don't own a gym don't <laughs> operate a gym uh, why does that tend to be the default advice? And but yet, what has owning your own gym allowed you to do within the industry? Right. Well, there's there's pluses and minuses to it, and you know, 
if I was starting out and didn't have any clients and, you know, thought I might want a gym, you know, someday at, at this point, I might not do it. Um, but because I've been around, you know, for so long and it's established, it's obviously a, li a little bit easier. Um, but things are expensive. And it, we tend to think when we're like the trainer working at the gym for somebody and we're getting this, you know, percentage of the fee and we're like, oh, why is it, are they taking all the money? I'm doing all the work kind of thing. And yeah, some of that's true, but you forget your ability to do the work is based on that, having that facility and the equipment there and the overhead costs of all that is enormous. So, I mean, I never, when I was growing up, I never would have thought I would have made the amount of money that I have to spend just on rent each month. That was like, and let's factor in you're in LA. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, so it's, like, it's crazy. So I see that I'm like, I would have so much more money in my pocket if I didn't have a facility, you know. But the thing with having a facility is like, I didn't have any celebrity clients or anything until I had a facility. There's a certain amount of that's being taken seriously when you're a business person and you, you own a place when, when you're the man, so to speak. So it definitely gave me credibility. And uh, I think that as things like Facebook and Instagram and that started to, to come up and obviously owning a facility in LA and training certain clients um, that certainly raised my level of, of recognition and, you know, being interviewed, like I just did an interview with on it and I was, uh, talked about in men's health for, for training Billy Zapka for Cobra Kai, the karate kid kind of reboot. So none of that would have happened had I not had my own facility. Uh, but that being said, would I have more money in the bank right now if I didn't have my own facility? Probably so. I probably could have, you know, I mean, the overhead that I was, I was working out at the Gold's gym at the time I opened my facility and I think my overhead was like, 299 bucks a month was the rent, you know, unlimited. I could train with many people. When you think about it, you yeah. don't hear about stuff like that anymore. And, you no. know, we've been talking here about this because, um, you know, I work in a facility called Evolve Strength in Edmonton, Alberta. And, uh, we always speak Dean Somerset in every episode. So there's a perfect opportunity. He's at the Evolve downtown location, which has been just, it's a beautiful place. We pay $500 a month rent, add tax to that, uh, which is a GST in Alberta. So, Five twenty-five a month. You cover the costs of your insurance and a few other things. Like our overhead is nil, and we have you know ten thousand, twelve thousand square feet of world-class facility. Uh, it's not Gold's so, Gym, man. <laughs> no, it's not. It doesn't have all the treadmills or the machines yeah. and the 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 type. This some of the stereotypes that tend to populate places like Gold's Gym, which can be great or can be not so great to deal with for your uh, general population clients. Maybe so. it's different in LA. Uh, well, no, this place was awful. Um, and I'm glad I got out of there. Um, the thing is, you know, my overhead was, was far less. But again, both the amount that I could charge being at a commercial place, even though I was independent, you know, it was you know, kind of crappy. And there's no way I could have charged what I charge now. And I certainly wouldn't have gotten some of the celebrity clients that I have now that I got from having a private facility. So... Um, ultimately it's been a very big blessing, you know, to me to have my own place, but I don't know that necessarily everybody in every city is going to have those kind of benefits that I got out of it. So I think you have to really do your homework and have to see, do a, do you think you can do it better than the competition that's in town? Because if you can't or aren't, aren't willing to 
figure out how to, then you're probably going to fail. So that's one thing. B, you better have some deep pockets in the beginning to start up because there's going to be growing pains and most businesses do go under in the first you know, year or two. So um, you really have to go into it way ahead of the game. Like I would have never opened up a facility if I didn't have so many clients already training that I knew I could cover the costs. Now, luckily, I was also married to my wife, so I knew she could cover the home-type costs, even if I didn't make a dollar. That I, we were okay. I, I know what that's like. He relates to that because <laughs> his ability to transition, he'll tell the story a lot, but I'm going to tell it. He has ability to transition awesome. into the fitness industry. was largely because his wife was so well set up and such an awesome person that uh, it gave him the latitude to pivot out of teaching yeah personal training and well you've done well for yourself so it's one of those things where like i'm on a teacher salary how do i make as much money training so i have to transition slowly because that wasn't happening initially so wives basically wives and happiness and gyms all work out the same exactly yeah happy happy life right (laughs) right andrew Right. Well, Andrew. We're, we're we're not there <laughs> yet. Working so we're working. Leave it at that. So. Well, it's funny. It's the next question is kind of funny because Andrew usually writes them. So he's like, another big takeaway from listening to you speak or reading your work, and I'm not down there to listen to you speak. So I didn't actually listen to you speak. So uh, I know. Sorry. I, I know it's absolutely. <laughs> it's the wife's fault, actually. If you want. She listens to these. Remember. Oops. Whatever. Um. It's usually dedicated to focusing on devaluing or delivering value. So like as a trainer, um, and you even spoke about going from a Gold's Gym to your own gym, and you couldn't provide that value because Gold's Gym was probably a pile of shit. Um, why Why is that a huge part to new trainers and, and any trainer, I guess, in terms of the service they provide and I guess what they can charge, like the whole point of delivering value and how, what are some advice to do that? Because everyone knows that they need to add value, but in your eyes, what is value in terms of a personal trainer? Right. Well, I mean, I'll talk about this a little bit tomorrow in my, my presentation. Uh, I think every trainer should already kind of have the X's and O's of how to train people. Yep before you take people on because you can hurt people if you don't know what the hell you're doing you know so uh and but a lot of times trainers tend to then focus on not that it's bad to have more tools in your toolbox of training and and know maybe more exercises or what have you but that's not what's going to keep clients you know you really need to to figure people out and people want an experience they they don't really care what exercises you do with them. As long as you, you give them results, give them a good workout and you don't hurt them, they're, they're going to be okay. Um, so for me, a big thing with delivering value is you have to have something to talk about other than things like the Krebs cycle and sarcomeres. <laughs> you know, the clients don't care about your kinesiology and exercise fizz stuff, no matter how much it makes you, you know, crazy but um for me it's 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 reading it's travel travel's a huge thing um i've been thinking about that actually a lot more since you know anthony bourdain just yesterday you know because his show i think for a lot of people kind of opened their eyes maybe people who haven't traveled the world to uh really we're all out there looking for that that happiness thing we all want the same stuff and we tend to get divided whether it's 
you know, one country versus another country, one, you know, political party versus another one, religion versus another, whatever. And, and ultimately, everybody all wants the same stuff. We just end up throwing these artificial roadblocks up in the way. So for me, I think that travel helps to um, not only make you a better citizen of the world, but it gives you things then to talk to people about and relate to them about when you're working out, because that's part of the experience. It's not like how hard you train them that day. It's how interesting was their hour with you. And so if you have a lot of other things to talk about, a lot of life experiences, yep. you can relate to them a lot better. Or maybe you've experienced something that they're just now going through. And you say, well, actually, when I did this, this is how I felt. This is how I dealt with it. And so for me, having been around now for so long, now I'm kind of that you know, elder statesman, that, that sounding board um, for people. So I, I have clients who come in and they tell me, you know, I didn't really feel like working out today, but I just needed my Chad time. You know, I didn't really care if we work out or not. They just want to talk. And I'm cool with that. And I think a lot of trainers, you know, they, they get all kind of puffed up and they're like, well, I'm not a cheerleader or a rep counter or whatever. I'm a coach, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, listen, you're what that client needs on a given day. Yeah. And if on a given day, if they need a cheerleader, you're that. If they need a psychiatrist, you're that. You know, to a point, obviously. Maybe you have to, you know, give them the name of somebody that maybe we, they need to go talk to. We are new age bartenders when you really think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely people's therapists. And you may very well be a first line of defense against whatever is fucking wrong in the world. Absolutely. I cannot count the number of times that the clients come in. And I am very much the person that they talk to because I'm a, I'm a little or a lot removed from their world to talk about whatever the hell is going on wrong in their world. And then anyone who's a trainer here is listening to this probably has had a lot of that experience. And if you fail to embrace that side of things, you are missing a massive opportunity to do a lot of good. We've talked about happiness. We've talked about value. This is the theme of this podcast. Sure. If you cannot grab onto that and, and be that for a person – I don't think you're equipped to even be in this industry. I, well, I would agree. I mean, how many times, I mean, I know over For 25 years, <laughs> tons of, have you had a client come in and start crying? They may not have even told yep. you why Weekly. yet, but <laughs> it happens, you know? And like I say, you're that first line, like I say, of defense. Um, you know, I've had clients who, you know, I'm the one who discovered that maybe they were hooked on painkillers and, had to have that conversation or that maybe they had some disordered eating behaviors. It's like, you know what? We're not working out today. We're going to go talk and that kind of stuff. So I pulled people in the office in, in sessions or countless times, or I've had people like you said, just come in and they just, they needed to go straight in there away from the prying eyes of everybody else. And it became a conversation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And that can happen. Yeah. Go and on. that, and that's what, well, and that's what I think it, it always has to be about is about the client and what they're going through. And a lot of trainers, especially when they start out because they're maybe not making any money. And so all they're concerned about is, well, can I charge for this session? Uh, and it's like, you know what? No, we're, we're, you're not paying for this session and we're going to go and I'm going to buy you lunch and we're going to talk, you know, and, and I've done that maybe not because of anything serious, but one of the things like with my more famous clientele is, well, I'll, the first time, like I'll go out to lunch or dinner or whatever, I, I cover the bill and it usually shocks them because they're so used to, because they're the ones with all this money, always having to pick up tabs and stuff. And I will make sure that I'm the one who, who covers that. So it's really just about, you know, putting your clients first at all times, no, no matter what. 
So we've got uh, Brian, say hi. Brian Ron is here. I'm here. We Brian, just had an episode with Brian you, you've already had your podcast, man. Dean's <laughs> <laughs> laid it down. <laughs> like all he talked about was this, the fertility clinic for fucking half an hour. Like we, had, we brought him on to talk about training and bodybuilding stuff. And he's like, he starts going off about the fertility clinics in New York and stuff. It was just crazy. Never happening again. But Ryan's actually one of the few people. Can't say, there's not too many people ever, who have ever been on our podcast twice. He's part of a round table. So we had Isertel's had two appearances. Nadolski's had two appearances. Somerset's had two appearances. Ashman has had two appearances. And Brian. So I think that's it so far. Brian we'll has add, three. Add What's that? Brian has three. He was in this one. Yeah, now Brian has three, so yeah. technically you are the most. Yeah, but it's going to be an uncredited cameo, and like so. all three are within the space <laughs> of about six episodes, so it's actually pretty good. No, we're gonna we're gonna tag him in it. <laughs> he is like a virus. So did he ask uh, you? Did he ask you about the fertility clinics in LA? He's probably trying to scope those out. <laughs> Guy's crazy. <laughs> so we got a bunch of food going on here, so we're gonna break this episode into two parts. Uh, we'll splice them together so it's all just one continuous experience. But Chad and I are hungry, so Guido, you good to hang out for a little bit? We'll yeah. come back to this. Yeah, Think just like just like questions. Just, yeah, yeah. we got some more good stuff for you guys. Just hang on. It's it's gonna be seamless for you. We're gonna eat, so it'll be a bit of break for us. Just don't be half cut when you come back. Okay, see ya. <laughs> no, go ahead. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey we're back. We're back. Yes. Yes, I can hear you, and we're recording. Shit. That's awesome. <laughs> so we've been recording this whole time we've been down. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I left I left it on to hear all the good stuff. Good lord, I hope not. Uh so where did we leave off? So I guess we were talking about uh we were talking about delivering value, but we obviously anyone who's been listening to this for a while knows that uh, I'll usually write these up and have a bunch of stuff we want to talk about. So when I was looking for ideas to talk about with Chad there was a post that you'd shared from Tony Janelcore, who's kind of an industry, a well-known industry guy. And he talks about the one thing that annoys him the most about the fitness industry. So of course, I hadn't read the articles. So I had to scan it. And it was a sense of entitlement from new trainers and the frustration of having to work in a commercial gym. Um, and I spent six years in one. And I guess this makes sense because I think this current generation, if anyone has ever seen Simon Sinek's um, talk on millennial chopped up that usually chops out the pieces that makes millennials look quote kind of bad but it's it's more nuanced than that and i think it's a generational thing where younger people 20 somethings tend to want to have more of an impact at a younger age versus say like i'm 40 and you know you've been around the industry for a really long time what are your thoughts on the paying paying your dues in the commercial gym it eventually growing beyond that and this, you know, perhaps the new trainers who have the sense of they need to be doing something bigger sooner. Well, I think that most all of us yeah, almost have to start out at a commercial gym unless you just happen to fall into something right off the bat. Because who else is going to give you the opportunity to train people when you have no experience? I'm certainly not going to hire somebody at my private facility that doesn't have any experience, no matter what certification or even degree that they have. So I think you, you kind of are obligated to cut your teeth in that commercial setting and see that, you know, the cream will rise to the top. And if you find that you're starting to get all your clients on referrals from existing clients rather than through the gym anymore, then I think, you know, you're probably on the right track to doing something right. And then you can 
think about exploring other avenues, whether you go independent and, and rent space from somebody else or maybe start your own place eventually or whatever. But I think it's it's foolish not to start at the commercial gym setting because you get so many more people coming through the doors than you get in a private setting. So, um, you know, you're, you're basically leveraging, you know, whether it's whatever franchise you want to talk about, all their marketing dollars, yeah. uh, you know, to get clients in, in the door for you. So I think you're, you're kind of crazy not to, you know, exploit that till you find out a, if you like doing it for a living and B, if you're any good at it. That's a complete answer. It's funny because it, we talk about this and then I, I did the opposite, but it's one of those things where I, I fell into a good situation and I had a little bit of a different skill set coming in, but I think a lot of people see the outliers and think that that's the best way. And I wouldn't tell anyone to do it like me because I got lucky. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. And if you can get lucky, that's fine. But if you're sitting that's there in a says. commercial that's gym and you're not, the only person who should be bitching at a commercial gym is somebody who truly is getting all of their clients on referral now and the gym doesn't care. They don't value them for doing such good work and for maybe bringing new customers that wouldn't have even come to that gym in just to train with that trainer. And then I've felt that way myself before when I worked for other people. And so I had to do something about that. And so that was on me to leave. But, um, you know, you, you got to be prepared for that and, and ready for that because it's a lot harder to find clients when you're not at a commercial gym. So that's the big thing. You got to you got to make sure. And I think so many clients or so many trainers, they just they schedule like just enough clients on their schedule to get by and they don't want to work too hard or too many hours or too many days or whatever. And then what happens is when those clients, for whatever reason, whether it's money or an illness or whatever, when they're not there anymore, then all of a sudden they're scrambling for money and they can never get ahead. So, you know, I think that the, the younger traders need to um, not only maybe start out at commercial gyms, but develop a work ethic and, you know, they just want to start charging, triple digits right out of the box when they've never trained anybody instead of, you know, training far more clients at, at a lower price point deserving to, you know, be, be so busy that you have to in, increase your rates. Well, and it's, it's part of the process of learning too, because it's tough to, it's tough to learn anything in school. Even if I take any of my teaching experience, like you have to put the hours in the gym because that's basically your, your learning ground. And that sure, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't yeah, happen overnight. Like, Right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time. It, I mean, and to be quite honest, I mean, you know, 25 years in training people full time every week and I'm still learning stuff. You know, I don't have it all figured out and I make mistakes and I need to get better. And, and I feel like I do still get better each year or I would quit. So, um, you know, I think traders need to be in it for the long haul to begin with. And once you're committed to that, then the, the quick fix need kind of goes away. You know, I spent, like I said, six years in a commercial gym setting and you know, I have a lot of different thoughts on that. I've seen a lot of extraordinarily bad things that can go on in commercial gym settings. And I think that some people get hung up on that. I wouldn't have the career I have or be in the position I'm in if I didn't get that started. There was a friend of mine uh, who was a trainer there who just bugged me off the floor to start there. 
And at first, you know, it was just, it was something I was a little scared of doing it. And I didn't think I'd be very good at it. As it turns out, I got busy pretty quickly. And yeah, you, in a commercial gym environment, especially if you conduct yourself with professionals and you can stand out amongst a crowd, get very busy. Uh, I built up a very large clientele very quickly, a huge referral base. A lot of people referred into me. So I became very valuable to my commercial gym. And it's a, it's a good approach if you can actually get in one of those environments and bring clientele to you and be extraordinarily valuable to the gym that you work for. You can buy yourself a lot of latitude away from some of the constrictions you tend to find in commercial gyms. It paid quite well, especially if you understand the system within, within any commercial gym, you can get paid very well in it. You, you have to play the politics of these sort of situations, but, uh, after a while, it sort of outgrew itself. You know, if anyone's ever listened to one of our podcasts, I've described some of the things I've seen and dealt with and, Personally, I think that, you know, some things like multi-level marketing can get a little out of hand <laughs> sure. in those kind of environments. Uh, I've seen a lot of sexual harassment, sexually inappropriate conduct. No, we're not, <laughs> but we're not so, going to go down that road. No, <laughs> you bring it up every fucking podcast. Uh, the, I do, I do want to touch on something that was really important, though, with what Chad said. Because, like, all that stuff is meaningful. But the one thing that you said that stuck, stood out was once they commit to it long term. And I think that goes into what we're going to talk about next, which was a lot of people treat it as a transient job and until they fully commit, um, they don't actually get truly engaged or quote unquote passionate about it. So I guess kind of deal, how do you kind of see trainers diving into it and treating it like a career and how, how have you stayed so passionate about it? Because like we see a lot of trainers thinking it's going to be this big payoff and then they're out in a year or two because it's not a career for yeah, them. It's not, well, A, if you go into it thinking you're going to have this enormous financial windfall or at least very quickly, you're going to be disappointed because that's not probably going to happen. Um, and you know, things are, are seasonal and cyclical and things happen, you know, like in 2008 when the economy in the U S hit the skids, I was very lucky. I'd built my business up over, I guess, five years prior. So, cause I contracted about 30%. Well, I was able to absorb that and go on. So, you know, things like that that are out of your hands will happen. So, you know, you have to go into it with thinking this is something that you're going to build slowly over time. Um, and, it, and it takes a while to establish a reputation, too. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I've spent 25, 30 years building my reputation. And you can lose that in a day. If you do something dumbass, you can really lose everything that quickly, you know, so you, you almost have to be in it for the long what, haul. What's the biggest dumbass thing you've seen? Can you even say it? Oh, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen like trainers throw things at their clients. You know, like, it's like just crazy stuff. You know, I'm like, what do you do? Make them cry. Like, it's not like one of those things where I said earlier, if you had a client come in and cry cause they were going through something, no, like actually belittle them because of their weight or whatever and make them cry. And I'm like, you've, you've got to be shitting me. You know, I mean the things that I would see in the commercial gym setting, I was always shocked at how busy some of those trainers were and how their clients could see, you know, cause we're all there in the same spot. So how they could see what I was doing with my clients and they would keep going to that trainer and not like seek me out and be like, how come you do things so different? You know, but I think some people drink the Kool-Aid and they see things that are either hardcore or flashy or gimmicky or whatever. And they think that that's the way it's supposed to be when I'm just there doing my thing 
very quietly and you know it doesn't look fancy or crazy or anything and so you know i don't think clients necessarily know any better um but for me i mean a i couldn't well i got my degree in kinesiology so obviously there was some passion for this type of thing i didn't know i would be a personal trainer and at that time in the the late 80s early 90s especially in illinois where i grew up that was not a career path so i was working managing a health club at that point and just gradually made it out to la and, and was taking a job as a personal trainer in la um 25 years ago so it you know, was something that I was was into, and I can't imagine doing anything else. But there were certainly times where the money was lean and tight. I'm like, man, maybe I should like go be a firefighter or something and have you know <laughs> a pension or or whatever. But but I stuck it out and I continued to get better. And it really, once I learned that training wasn't about me yeah. anymore, you know, and it wasn't about how good I looked or not, or how strong I was or not, or whatever. What once I learned it was about taking care of people, and I became like a rock for people. Then it just like blew up for me. When when it, was that? Like, it, can you even like think back to the moment where you kind of made that switch? Because I'm sure, as like you said, you want to be firefighter. You didn't really know. Like, when did you really know that that was what it was about? Um, definitely before I opened my own facility, because you have to have a a certain amount of belief that this is it when yeah. you're going to do that. Yeah, um, I would say there was a transition because my wife was actually one of my first clients when I moved to LA and my wife, uh, I did a, a pretty major transformation physically uh, with her and I was able to see how that really kind of opened up her career and how when she was overweight, she would let her male work partner kind of take the lead and, you know, if she had an idea, she would tell it to him and let him say to the director or producer or whatever. And I saw that once she felt more confident about herself physically, she wasn't willing to sit there in the background anymore. And she wanted that. And, and you know, obviously a lot of other things go into like winning Oscars. But I do think that the start of it. Um, definitely was the empowerment that she got and the confidence that she got from that physical transformation. And, and after a certain point, you know, she didn't need that anymore once she found her voice. Yeah. But once I saw that with her, um, and, and, and part of it is also just me maturing as a person and, and growing up, you know, and I think a big thing for me was once I got over my own insecurities and once I liked who I was as a human being and so then it became not about me anymore yeah. then I was much more uh, valuable to the client you know because now it was it was really about them I'm not out there to impress anybody I'm not out there you know for people to like me or whatever I'm just there I'm there for them in whatever capacity they need me and I think, um, you know, people respond to that. And I've had some of my clients um, say that things that they like, like when they come in is, hey, I'm, I'm never having a bad day. I'm always happy to see them. They they trust me implicitly. Like they don't, don't even, it doesn't enter their mind that I would ever do anything risky or dangerous or unplanned, you know, for them. 
You know, it's that complete trust thing. And so that that's invaluable no matter what industry you're in. You know, you have a car mechanic that you trust and you're going to keep going back to that person. You're not going to go to a new guy who's a little cheaper down the street. You know, you're going to that trust is a, is a huge thing. So um, for me, it was, it was definitely a gradual thing over time and, and, and multifaceted. But um, I think once you're once you're in it for the long haul, because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. You have to experience it. No matter what I say on a podcast or when I give a speech, you know, some of it's going to sink in and some of it people just have to go through on their own and have their own experiences and, and take clients through hard times, you know, in, in their life and, and see them through that, you know, to really see what the power is in, in what we do. And get over their own stuff too, because that doesn't happen overnight either. And it doesn't happen at 18 unless you got everything figured out. And I think that that's a huge point for a lot of people to take away from it, especially young trainers, is that that whole idea of taking care of yourself. But like once you actually figure some of that shit out, you have a right. way bigger capacity for helping others because you, you you have a little bit more empathy. You have a little bit more room for empathy and then your job just soars in terms of your effectiveness to at least make people think you care or actually care. Right. As opposed to being, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, an experience well, but- too. And let's face it, I think a lot of trainers who get into training, like I said, maybe not even with the thought of it as being a career, they get into it because they have some insecurity about themselves and yeah. they start working out. Yeah. And so then they like working out so much that then, well, I think I'll just start training other people because I need to make make some money. Yeah. Uh, and so, like you said, until they get over those own their own insecurities that may have got them into that to begin with, they're not really going to be a fully effective trainer. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Um, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. We just we have a little bit of a, a distraction, but uh, yeah. we're going to move on from that. So um, we're not going on air on this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and just got it. some life, life, life's happening. We have some life happening. So it's all good. This is why we do these things live. Shit happens all the time. He's like, "Fuck off." <laughs> Ask Chad the question, Andrew. I can talk his ass off. <laughs> yeah, okay. So one of the things I, I actually, you know, I don't know if you've ever really done this. So I, I wrote this just because I thought you'd be a great person to do this. But um, who are some of the people, who are some of your truly favorite industry people that you believe are doing wonderful things? Other than us. Like, I don't want, uh, yeah, I don't want to bias that. So we'll just take us out of the equation. Okay. First. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start with Mark Fisher. Yep. Yeah. You know, Mark is a good friend of mine. Mark has referred a lot of clients to me over the years, um, and I think he was one of the first people that I saw that, even though he delivered the, the message and the content in 180 degrees different than I do it, um, he he spoke to his clientele and he gave them good information and he made going to the gym an experience for them outside of the workout part of the experience you know i mean they're it's just crazy if you've ever been to, to mark fisher fitness in in manhattan so i think he's definitely um one of the if not the kind of you know thought leader if you will for how gyms can and, and should be run um and earlier we mentioned like luca hosevar in um seattle um with bigger they're doing great stuff um and there's just people all over the place. Um, like you said, um, Jay and Sarah just opened Wonderful. their place in Kansas City. I know that's going to be gangbusters. Uh, there's just a, there's just a whole lot of 
people now, um, I think that are, that are in it for the right reasons and, um, are, are making a real impact and creating communities and that kind of thing. Um, so, but Mark Fisher's, you know, always going to be the, the top of the list for me. <laughs> Mark's an incredible person. That, that shot, that, the rest of that didn't go down too well, bud. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> As I have a rip in my shirt, totally prepared. <laughs> Are we gonna give? A, I, I know you guys got a barbecue and there's a big party, so let's let's give Chad the book question, which is just. I, I want to. Add, are you gonna do it? This is your question, man. Well, yeah, just uh, you know, is there a book read that you know particular profound influence on you professionally, personally? Something you'd want. You know, anyone who's listening to this to read it. Right. Well, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, the Zappos CEO. That, I think if you, even if you don't own a business, uh, you're still a business of one as, as a trainer. And I think it would be invaluable uh, to read that. There's another one uh, called Good Business by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, you said it right. And um, I think that that's another great one. And, and I'm sure there's, there's a lot more. You know, I, I tend to be one of those people that like downloads tons of books and the samples, but then I get so busy that some of them I download the whole thing and, and get halfway through it. Others I start listening to it on Audible or whatever. So you know, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I think that trainers in general should focus more on books on business and communication skills and you know less workout books. You know, they, they probably don't need to know any more exercises or any other type of programming than they already know. Um, and it's great if they do want to learn more of that, but it shouldn't take a front seat um, when you've got business stuff and um, it, it, even stuff like a, accounting and, and that type of thing. You, you need to learn financial, you know, what, what those things, doc, documents mean and you know, how to pay your taxes and all, all this. How to live stuff. in this world. As an adult. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's true though. I think even a lot of those, like we'll call them self-help, but the business books and all that kind of makes, it almost seems so such like such easy advice, but when you read it, it makes sense. And it's, they just need to be reminded like those little things matter. And I think that that's what, that's why that industry is so big, but it's the same reason why we read all those books. Same reason why you download all of them and listen to half of them. You probably still got something out of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you get, I mean, the way I look at it, um, if you get a one thing, one little nugget on in one paragraph on something that kind of gives a little paradigm shift for you, then it was worth reading and investigating. Yeah. You know, there's, there's always something you can do to get just a little bit better. So, What's you know, that? that's, uh, We'll just we'll, we'll transition. Like, what what's the best way for people to find you? I know you're a big hotshot celebrity trainer <laughs> in LA, but like a lot a lot of our new listeners, what's the best way to figure out and find all the stuff that you put out there? Um, well, the good thing about being so old is like when all this internet stuff was starting, I like got you got at Nate? Chad Landers first. <laughs> so I have at Chad Landers on Twitter. I have at Chad Landers or whatever on on uh, Instagram. You know, I'm like. If you, you got a hot, you got a hotmail one probably. Chad Landers at Hotmail. Blackbell.net still, which <laughs> like that went to SBCGlobal.net, then AT and T. You know, so I still have my old Pack Bell address. So the only thing I had older than that was Earthlink back in the day. Oh man, that's oh. old. Yeah, You're not old. old. Sorry, sorry. You're not old. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, basically, it's, it's pretty easy to find. I mean, if you Google Chad Landers, I'm the first one that's going to come up. And you'll see my website or interviews or whatever. So I've been on a lot of, you know, podcasts and, you know, online magazine, you know, men's health and on it and whoever. So before you, you leave, are, are you been on a podcast like this? Like today was a pretty eventful podcast. <laughs> let's, let's say the tale of two podcasts, the, the before dinner podcast. And, <laughs> oh, because, boy. Uh, oh, boy. Andrew's yeah, been kind of yeah. AWOL for the second half. We'll, uh, we'll not go there. So, yeah. <laughs> I think this is – you know what's great about this? This is going to stick out in your mind forever. And then one day when we're as big as Joe Rogan, you're going you're gonna to remember this and we're going we're gonna to laugh at this. We're not going to be as big as Joe Rogan. But <laughs> this is just awesome. Okay. Um, how we usually wrap this up, Andrew usually uh, says a few things. Are you, gonna, you got it? You got it in you? One last one? If you're, uh, if you're a friend and follower of Chad's and this is the first time you found us, we have had a lot of Chad's friends and industry people on our podcast, like Mark Fisher. Uh, we have had James Krieger, Chad Lander, sorry, <laughs> yeah, drunk. Uh, Brad Dieter. Uh, Chad and Brad. Oh, my God. Uh, we have had Brad Dieter. And we've had just a lot of really great people on here. Oh, God. And if you want to check out more of what we've done you know try some of these episodes uh you know brian cron just stuck his nose in here we've got a great episode with him we just recently released that uh by the time you're listening to this depending on the order we release him in you will probably have access to louis guarino and greg knuckles who are just recent podcast guests of ours and if you are are part of our existing listener base then you know go follow chat we're gonna you know make sure that everybody can find him on social media He's a great guy who's done wonderful things. There, there are a few people in the industry who can rival just the goodness of the message and just the genuine nature of what he's putting out there. So please, we bring people on this podcast because we believe in them. We think they're great people. They're our friends. And, uh, and this is someone I really believe you guys should be following. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, five-star reviews on iTunes are always appreciated. Anyway. Nailed it, man. You nailed it. Cool. Thanks right, for I having some, me. I got some shit to go deal with, so. Shut up and sit down.